Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, we're going to be talking about how to keep a humble heart, especially if you have any kind of ministry or a desire to do ministry, or you're serving behind the scenes in a ministry and you kind of want to do something more exciting in your ministry. I've seen the importance of cultivating humility and how humility goes hand in glove with effectively reaching other people for Jesus Christ. The downfall that I have seen over the past 20 years in ministry, it is so easy as ministers to overlook this key quality of humility, and in so doing, we end up stealing the glory that belongs to God. Whether you're in a ministry or not, it is so important to cultivate humility because it's the opposite of where our culture is at today. It's the opposite of pride and selfish living, and yet it's what Jesus Christ exemplified in his life and ministry when he took the lowest place and became the servant of all. And we are not to overlook this quality in our lives, even though it can be very easy to do that in today's world. The first time I was ever asked to speak publicly, it was to a mother-daughter tea, and I was about 17 years old, and I was asked to share my testimony. And I had been given 30 minutes to speak, but then at the last minute, they reduced my time to four minutes. When I was first given 30 minutes to speak, I was immediately thinking, how could I be witty and funny and personable and be likable and really cause my audience to really track with me? But when my time was reduced to four minutes, I realized, you know, most of what I could bring to the table is stripped away. All I can really do is get right to the point of my message and can't really focus on making myself likable. I just have to say, what the core of what God has put on my heart to say. And it was such an important lesson for me because God powerfully used those four minutes. And yet he had to take me through a kind of a humiliating experience of having all of my time <laughs> whittled down to four minutes and really strip away any human pride that might have gotten in the way of the message that he wanted to deliver to those girls. One of the most impactful books that I've ever read is Tramp for the Lord by Corey Ten Boom. It's the book that follows the hiding place, and it's all about how God led her to share her story all around the world, and she became one of the most powerful evangelists in Christianity, and yet she kept such a humble heart through it all. She was never too busy or too important to see the person that was right in front of her, whether it was a customs official at the airport or a maid in a Russian hotel. Her book is filled with stories of God prompting her to reach out to an individual, even though she was speaking to thousands and thousands of people. And I think back to one of the stories that she shared in the beginning of Tramp for the Lord. When she first arrived in America, she had no contacts and no money, but God had put it on her heart to share her message with the American church. And people really told her when she first arrived in America that she should go back to Holland. Nobody really wanted to hear her message. Even Christians were fairly rude and aloof toward her. And people who had said, you know, I'll support you if you come to America withdrew their support because it just didn't seem like anybody wanted to hear this Dutch woman with a thick accent, you know, this middle-aged Dutch woman. Americans were just busy about their own things, and it didn't seem like there was really an open door for ministry. And she talks about how she was just laying on her bed with no money and no idea where to go next or what to do and just crying out to God and really an anguish of soul and how as God reassured her that she was right where 
he wanted her to be. She began to take one small step of obedience at a time, and he began to open doors for her. And soon, within a few months, she had to guard against overwork because there were so many opportunities coming her way. But she had to start in that place of humility and saying, Lord, I am completely dependent on you. I can't do this on my own. I have nothing to bring of my own. If you would like to use me in ministry, you need to do the work. You need to open the doors. And I think that must have played into the power and effectiveness of her future ministry, that God took her through that time of dependence and humility. Biddy Chambers is another great example. She was the wife of Oswald Chambers, who wrote My Utmost for His Highest. That book never would have been published without Biddy Chambers' efforts because Oswald died during the war when they were serving over in Egypt as he was a chaplain among the soldiers. And he died very young, and yet he had all of these talks that he had given to the soldiers and earlier to a Bible college where he was teaching. And Biddy had taken shorthand notes of almost all of his messages. And she felt very convicted after his death. That she was supposed to spend the rest of her life giving his words to the world, giving those messages to the world. But when she went back to England and attempted to publish the collections that she had worked on, she had gathered together all of these notes of messages and made them into the devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. No publisher wanted to publish it. Nobody saw the value in it. Everyone said, you know, nobody's going to be interested in that. And she had to sort of walk that path of humility saying, okay, Lord, I can't do this on my own. If you want these words to get out there to the world, it will have to be completely a work of your doing and nothing I can do in my own strength. And she remembered a quote that Oswald had said in his ministry, God is not asking us for success, but for faithfulness. That is such a key part of humility because we want to measure everything we do based on worldly success. You know, did people like it? Did they applaud us? And did a lot of people respond to it? But God isn't so concerned about success in the in the earthly standard. In fact, the way he measures success is very different often than the way we measure success. If you think about Stephen in the book of Acts, the martyr, he was not trying to win his audience. He wasn't trying to be likable to his audience. In fact, he was saying a message that his audience hated so much that they gnashed at him with their teeth and they stopped their ears and eventually they drove him out of the city and began to stone him. And if you look at that from a worldly perspective, you could think, well, he really blew it. He blew that opportunity. His audience not only rejected his message, but they ended up killing him because they were so offended by his words. And yet, what does Jesus say of of what Stephen did? When Stephen looked up into heaven as he was dying, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Normally, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, but to welcome Stephen into his presence, he was standing. And Stephen didn't look at the rejection of the crowd. He was looking at his Lord standing to welcome him into eternity. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. And he said that if we are faithful in the things that he has entrusted us with today, he will entrust us with more. And so one of the ways to cultivate humility is not to become dissatisfied and discontent with where God has you today, but to faithfully steward what he has given you today. It may not seem glamorous. It may not seem exciting. It may not seem like it's making any kind of a difference, but if you are walking in obedience and faithfulness, he will open doors. He will extend your borders in his own time and in his own way. There is such a pressure even within the church today towards self-promotion. 
emotion. I remember even at the age of 14, I desired to get into Christian music and I attended a conference for aspiring Christian musicians. And people from all over the country came to this conference to learn how to get discovered and, you know, have their music found by a record label. And I realized, you know, everyone here is in competition with each other to try to prove that their music is the best. No one really talked about the fact that this message of promote yourself, promote yourself wasn't exactly a scriptural idea. We were being told that in order to really steward our musical gifts, it was a necessary step to gaining the platform that we needed so that we could become famous and wow the crowds with our talents and then say, you know, all the glory goes to God. (laughs) But it was a few years later that God began gently shining his searchlight of conviction in this area of my life. And I began to realize that this path of self-promotion was very opposite of Jesus' example. He showed me that most of my musical pursuits in that season of my life were very self-focused. My ambitions were not for his glory. They were for my own desire to be appreciated and recognized. And the more I studied scripture, the more I came to realize that the Christian life isn't about self-promotion. It's about self-denial. And if I wanted to bring glory to God through my music, it wouldn't involve trying to impress people with my talent and then mentioning God's name as an afterthought. I needed to let go of my desire to be center stage. I needed to lay down my dream for a new dream, bringing him glory in every area of my life, pointing eyes to Jesus, even if no one ever noticed me at all. Jesus said that when we give, when we do a charitable work, we are not even to let our left hand know what our right hand is doing, that we are to give in secret, not for the applause of men. And he talks about the Pharisees, how all of their works are done to be seen by men. It's so important, even as Christian women, maybe we're involved in good works, we're involved in ministry, we're reaching out to other people. But are we doing it to be seen by men? Are we living for the applause of this earth or are we only living for the applause of heaven? I've even known people who are serving on the mission field, working with orphans, and yet they blog about it, they post about it. There's nothing done in secret. Everything seems to almost be done for the purpose of human accolades rather than the glory of God. Now, it's not wrong to share what you're doing to encourage other people, but it's so easy to fall into that trap of stealing the glory that belongs to God. Instead of striving to be noticed and appreciated, we are supposed to be taking an entirely different posture into every area of our lives, and that is one of humility and self-denial, just as Jesus did when he left his throne, left his glory, came to this earth, and then even bent his knee like a lowly servant would do, and humbled himself and washed his disciples' feet. And then he humbled himself and became obedient to death, and he made himself of no reputation, and he calls us to follow in his steps. Amy Carmichael wrote this, If my thoughts revolve around myself, if I cannot in honest happiness take the second place or the twentieth, then I know nothing of Calvary love. That's a very convicting statement because we've been conditioned to believe that promoting ourselves is good, but God has called us to deny ourselves, forget ourselves, let all of our own interests become swallowed up in him and not to seek the highest place, but the lowest one. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, it says that he knew that he had authority over everything. He knew that he had come from God and would return from God, and yet he still rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel. And Amy Carmichael said, He took a towel. The Lord of glory did that. Is it the bond servant's business to say which work is large and which is small, which is unimportant, and which is worth doing? 
And if you think about Jesus, he wasn't evaluating what he did in ministry based on if it was what he wanted or if it was what brought him applause or if it was what made him feel good or feel fulfilled. In fact, he was constantly saying, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Imagine the freedom of being unconcerned, whether people appreciated your unique talents, your service in ministry, your personality, etc. Imagine if your only concern was making Jesus known, even if no one ever remembered your name. Now, only Christ can give us that kind of a humble heart because it does not come naturally to us, but he can equip us to do what is impossible in our own strength. When I look at the lives of women who have most impacted me and their legacy of service for Jesus Christ lasts for multiple generations after their death, one common thread that I see is humility. They had such a humble heart. None of the works that they were doing were done to be seen by men. Amy Carmichael refused to be even acknowledged during the opening ceremony for this welcome hall that she had built. She was in her early 20s and she built this auditorium for poor factory workers. And on opening night, as the hall was being dedicated by a local pastor, she just sat in the audience among the shawlies with a sign hanging across the stage that said, that in all things he, meaning Christ, might have the preeminence, the first place. And toward the end of her life, she was awarded a medal because of her work in India with children. She was awarded a medal by the King of England, and she didn't even want to receive it. She wouldn't even go to the ceremony because she didn't want any earthly applause. She was only doing all of this for the glory of her king. Lillian Trasher is a woman who started the first Christian orphanage in Egypt, And she ended up impacting close to 10,000 widows and orphans throughout her life. She never did it to be seen by men. And the only reason that anybody ever knew about her work is that a writer from a very major magazine stumbled across her orphanage one day and saw how she was pouring out her life for these kids. And he made her story famous, but she never set out to let anybody know about what she was doing. She just faithfully served each child that God brought across her path. And Gladys Aylward, pouring out her life for the people of China, she didn't even realize that anybody knew about her story or her work in China. A war correspondent for Time magazine happened to hear about her and came and asked her some questions, but she had no idea who he was or that he was going to make her story famous. And her her story lives on, not because she tried to fight to be seen, but because she was faithful with the work that God entrusted to her. I recently came across a young writer who just came out with her first Christian book, and the pressure on this girl is so intense to make a promo video, go on speaking tours, have a book launch team, write a blog, get a website. She has to somehow prove to the world that she has a valuable message, and somehow the Christian system has convinced so many of us that we have to prove ourselves in ministry rather than just faithfully doing the work that God has put in front of us to do and doing it for his glory. And if he desires to multiply our ministry, to let him do that in his own time and his own way. As it says in James 4.10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. One of the things that Eric and I have heard so many times from ministry leaders and missionaries who need workers to come alongside them is that they have a hard time finding Christians who will just come alongside and do whatever needs to be done. So many of us have this idea, well, I'm built for this. My personality is more suited to this, or this is how I want my ministry to look. But just to humbly come alongside and say, I will wash dishes. I will scrub toilets. I will do meaningless data entry into a computer. Lord, I 
I am willing to serve in whatever capacity you call me to serve. And it doesn't have to look exciting and glamorous. It doesn't have to be something that I can post about on social media. I am willing to serve behind the scenes and take the lowest place. And that is an attitude that is rare, but it is an attitude that God can powerfully work through when we're willing to say, yes, Lord, I will take the lowest place. I will allow you to cultivate within me a heart of humility. Jesus said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and who humbles himself will be exalted. And James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There is probably nothing more challenging to our flesh, our selfish, sinful nature that always craves control than to lay down our pride and take the lowest place like Jesus did. But when we choose humility, we are choosing the very attitude of Christ, as it says in Philippians. And there is no better way for the beauty of heaven to come shining through our lives than to get out of the way so that Jesus can be clearly seen. A set-apart woman does not get between God and his glory. So this week, I encourage you to look at your life, even the good things you are doing, and let God show you whether you are living for his glory or for self-glory. And God, by his grace, can change you and give you a humble heart, even if you feel like pride has been a stumbling block for you. Bring that to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, make me new. Give me the grace to take the lowest place just as you did. And when we're willing to say that, God can truly receive glory from our lives. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to take these truths deeper in your life, consider subscribing to our Set Apart Girl magazine, which is a resource for women of every age, powerful scriptural truth to encourage you in your Christ-centered life. Go to setapartgirl.com to learn more. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.